Right, guys, welcome back to another Friday wrap um, or more to do with our weekly discussions. I think we've always been looking forward to this time uh, between me, John and Jazz. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have Jazz with us today. He's not feeling very well. He's a bit under weather. Um, so I've got John here with me. John, how are you doing? I'm very well. I always turn up, uh, uh, Dave, I but I would turn up to the opening of an envelope. <laughs> your, your, your attendance record at the moment is 100%. That's, that's good that way. Yeah, <laughs> unbelievable, mate. Unbelievable. Thanks. Well done. Well done. <laughs> I'm still trying to push you to do the opening, though. Don't forget that at some oh, point in time, that's going to come. So, <laughs> But anyway, it has been another interesting week, don't you think? It's, uh, you know, both on the crypto and property market side of things. So, um, I think the um, certainly a big one for crypto. That's that's worth us having a chat about that. Um, so yeah, uh, with the crypto market, I mean, our, our guru is not here today, Jazz. I mean, he would usually be the one that's uh, that's pounced onto it. But crypto's had a big smackdown um, this week, and there's a few reasons of that, uh, right, John? I think you've uh, you've looked into it. I know you're a crypto holder <laughs> now, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> so. Um, would you like to share with us, uh, with our listeners, about what are the main SmackDown reasons for crypto? Yeah, definitely. Well, they have the, they call the big crypto holders whales, so I would be like a, a goldfish or something like that. <laughs> uh, I've just got enough to, to be interested. Uh, yeah, look, really brutal week, brutal week. Crypto is extremely volatile. Everyone knows that. And they know that one day there will be a week like this week, which is, which is a huge SmackDown. But look, t- two pieces of news uh, were coming out. And and the first one is that Elon Musk came out and said that Tesla, in fact, won't be accepting Bitcoin for the purchase of cars on the basis that it is environmentally unfriendly. So it, it generates a lot of power. I think that the, um, the amount of power that Bitcoin mining consumes is equivalent mm. to uh, the entire GDP of Austria or Argentina, right? And it's probably going up. So it, it uh, consumes a lot of energy. And we can come back to that in a sec. The other, the other piece of bad news that was sort of the straw that broke the camel's back really for, for Bitcoin and crypto this week is that the China instructed its banks that, uh, not to accept uh, Bitcoin or any cryptocurrency um, and that crypto in fact had no value. Um, now, the, the, the strange thing here is, of course, that this is not the first time China said this and it's not the first time China, the Chinese government's changed its mind either. Mm. Uh, so they've come out with, I mean, we know they're working on their own digital currency. We know that they've issued cryptos. So uh, very, um, very strange. But so we've got Elon Musk on one hand sort of talking it down and then sort of talking up Doge. And then you've got the Chinese government sort of coming out and saying crypto is not the way to go. Uh, look, look, Bitcoin is the anti-central bank. So while China might have said something on this occasion, all of the, the central banks hate it. Um, so that, that's what happened. So Bitcoin, Bitcoin, which was trading at about $70,000 a couple of months ago, went down to 38000 So Is this USD or AUD? USD. USD. Question. Yep. It's gone down about half and it dragged all the other coins down with it. Mm. Uh, and it's bounced around ever since. So it's... It's uh, back above 40,000 now and uh, yeah, very, very volatile, but um, the market's trying to get its arms around it. What do you reckon? What do you, you're a, you're a Tesla holder. So you're, you're in the uh, eye of the storm. I uh, direct my ire at you. Uh, David. I'm, 
goldfish Tesla holder as well. <laughs> if I can use the, I can borrow the analogy that you have with me. <laughs> um, yeah, look, uh, Tesla's obviously had a had a had a big hit this week as well. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think it's actually down to about five hundred and sixty dollars or something like that now from the peak where it was nine hundred. So right. the amount of percentage drop that it had along with Bitcoin is the percentage wise is pretty similar in that sense. Um, but um, look, I think I, I I mean, I don't hold any cryptocurrencies. I don't hold any Bitcoins in that sense. Um, and that's just a personal preference because of the fact that I'm a lot more conservative in terms of my investing nature. Um, and, you know, like I don't put money into where I speculate or, you know, like unless I'm willing to lose it, that's, that's kind of like, Otherwise, I probably wouldn't be looking into crypto. Um, I know Jazz holds a completely different theory in that, and that's why it makes it interesting in terms of his position and my position. But um, having said that, you know, it's a it's a double whammy because the Chinese government did mention that yes, they are going to dump it, uh, or they're not. Well, they don't they don't believe, or they're not going to allow the use of Bitcoin in that sense. So that. That, that news um, or that position basically, um, I guess, reduced the confidence in the big portion. And that's why the cryptos are potentially like, you know, because it all, it's all to do with market confidence. That's what I'm finding. A lot of times, even when, um, and it's the same thing with uh, shares as well, a company's performance is not impacted by you know, like there's no impact on the company form. They're still doing pretty well, et cetera, et cetera. However, the share prices could be slumping for just because of the investor's fear, right? And same thing here is what we're seeing with crypto as well. These news in terms of, you know, Elon Musk make that stance to say, no, we are, we're not going to accept any more Bitcoins. And also with China making that stance, all comes down to basically, you know, that investor fear and, and they are doing the same thing just like every other investor would do with any type of asset classes as soon as there's some sort of negativity in terms of news they start to flock and they start to dump things and i think that's what's causing the crypto uh the order bitcoin crash this week fundamentally the thing has not changed like there's nothing changed about bitcoin right like it's still could still potentially be a store of wealth, could still replace the digital currency, could still be the future digital currency, um, like you know, a lot of um, people are believing in. But yeah, it's uh, it just keeps on amazes me, right? Like uh, mm. in terms of that, um, that, that fluctuation uh, and based on investor sentiments, people are making decisions based on what they hear a lot of times rather than what they validate. Because you got to think fundamentally, has anything actually changed in that sense? Um, and that's why I'm a shareholder because, you know, at least I know the company, for example, Tesla, I still know how they're doing in terms of the profit, revenue, EBITDA, all that kind of stuff. Whereas for Bitcoin myself, I mean, I, I asked Jess the other time, uh, you know, how do you validate? How do you validate its value? At the moment, I still can't find a systematic way of how I can value that mm. asset. That's why, you know, I personally think that that's why I don't actually go near that kind of asset classes myself. Yeah, I know about you, John. I mean, what's what are your what are your thoughts? Yeah, look, uh, yeah, look, I'm still in two minds about cryptocurrencies because you know I'm a precious metals guy, but I didn't want to see the the. It was a pure FOMO play. Like I, mm. I'm convinced enough of, of 
the proof of concept that I believe it will be around, but I still have some doubts. So I'm not, I'm not, Jazz understands it better. And I'm actually reading a book called The Bitcoin Standard, which I heard my oh, yeah. okay. recommend. So yeah, I just, re- I just read the prologue. So <laughs> <laughs> maybe you can share with us at some point in time about One that. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but here, here's my take on the week that essentially uh, Bitcoin received a distribution shock. It, when, the, when the Chinese government came out and said, don't use Bitcoin, essentially, that's what they kind of said. It, 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 the, the market um, became concerned that even though this is great technology, if no one uses it, uh, then it has no value. And it's sort of like, you know, in the 80s, the credit cards were battling it out mm. and you had, uh, you know, d- does not ex- do not accept diners c- uh, club here, but, but you know, everyone accepted Amex, Visa and MasterCard and so yes. on. You know, you don't want to be the diners club of the, uh, the payment world. Um, it doesn't matter how good your platform is. If no one accepts it, it has no value. And, and that's what an announcement like this from the Chinese government potentially means. Um, that said, you know, David Rubenstein from the Carlyle Group, big hitter, big, big, big hitter, uh, big um, hedge fund guy came out and said, look, crypto's here to stay. So I think I think we, I think I agree with that. I think digital uh, currencies are here to stay. And the question then becomes which one? They're not mm-hmm. all going to be around. You know, one of them, potentially Bitcoin, the big risk is that Bitcoin is the, the Nokia of the crypto world. And that there's another <laughs> Apple iPhone around the corner, right? So, look, uh, you know, I, I don't have much on the line here. So I, I watch with great curiosity, and it, it feels like I'm, the, I'm playing the pokies with the flashing lights and the numbers <laughs> going up and down. So, uh, uh, so I find it interesting. I do. I, I I'm more inclined to think that this is a, a game-changing technology, although. I'm kind of leaning in that direction rather than completely convinced of it. Um, but I, th- I think it's um, fascinating. I think it'll bounce back. The, the other thing is that a 50% decline in crypto is commonplace. Mm. It, it's happened many times. Bitcoin has even gone down 80% in one day, I think back in 2013. And that's happened actually more than once as well. So 50%, that's going to happen again. It'll, um, it won't be the last time. I'm sure it'll go up 50% in one day as well. And that's just the um, the the terms and conditions that you accept when you buy into the crypto world. It's going yeah, to that's the nature of the cryptocurrency, isn't it? They're just the volatility and the fluctuations, uh, you know. And and personally, I don't like that as much. <laughs> so that's why I prefer to stick to the good old properties in in, in that sense. But uh, I I totally agree with you that the technology behind it. Um, you know, is is definitely here to stay. The blockchain technology, mm-hmm. that's definitely going to be here to stay. Um, and in terms of the, you know, cryptocurrency being adopted and being able to generally being used, uh, yeah, you know, I'm a bystander as well. I'm very curious to know what, how it's going to play out. So, you know, we'll watch the space and, uh, and see and see how it goes. But uh, do you think it's actually a good time to pick up some Bitcoin if you uh, got a bit of spare cash oh, right now, gosh. John? Uh, so, <laughs> not investing advice but just yeah, curious yeah, like you know you and i are both investors um yeah. you know if i've got some spare cash now i'll probably be picking up a bit more, bit more tesla as a matter of fact kathy woods from arc invest you know is being kind of like she's pretty famous like uh like i don't know the female version of warren buffett in that sense and at the moment in shares she's been picking up a lot of tesla buying the dip 
this week. So, you know, if I got some spare money, and again, this is not investing advice, it's just my personal opinion, I'll be go, yeah, I'll put in a bit more. But if you if you're looking at crypto or Bitcoin today, would you be doing the same? Uh, so again, not, not financial advice. So that's really, I think, super clear. Uh, yes, I would be. Uh, but okay. I also want to make it clear that I'm personally not uh, adding back. You know, I've got a position and I'm just going to leave it. Yep. The main reason I'm not accumulating a little bit more Bitcoin or, or a fraction of the Bitcoin in my case, <laughs> very small fraction, is actually because I need to get permission from the boss. And <laughs> she, won't, uh, she, she, won't, uh, she won't give any more permission. For, Fair for enough. Things. So, but yes, I would have. I, I definitely would have had my finger over the trigger uh, in the last couple of days. Um, you know, the, the, the SmackDown is interesting. There is a kind of a sinister angle to this. YouTube is alight with um, theories that this was a deliberate SmackDown to mm. get so that the whales can come in. So, for example, the big institutional money um, wants to get its hands on Bitcoin because Bitcoin is essentially running out. Bitcoin's probably the future, all these, all these probabilities, but the probabilities lead to uh, a game-changing kind of financial system, right? So, but the big institutional money, besides a couple of pioneers, missed Bitcoin. And there is a suspicion that, that this was a smackdown to, uh, to allow those guys to get back in. Bring it back to your question, would you, you know, I think that Bitcoin would go up. Yeah, uh, quickly, but I think it will be very volatile. So yeah, yeah, I think yeah, Bitcoin's a very clever system. It'll be here to stay, probably. Um, can, can, can I, what um, on Tesla? I wanted to ask you on Tesla. Sure. Why do you think that they uh, did an about turn on Bitcoin? Is it because he, he used the example of the environment? But I'm not sure that that's the real. Reason, who knows, right? Yeah, look, uh, Elon is a hard man to predict. <laughs> um, as much as I do believe he's one of the world's best executor and thinker, and uh, yeah, but he's a, I mean, otherwise I'll be making millions now, right? Let's put it that way. If I understand how he thinks, I will be a very different position today. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, um, I mean, personally, I don't know. I mean, I was surprised mostly of the fact that he actually announced that he purchased, well, the company Tesla purchased Bitcoin into positions, which, you know, there's smart ways of looking at it. I think there's a, there's a certain taxation aspect of it as well uh, in, in that sense. Um, and yeah, I, I, yeah, to be honest, I, unfortunately, I don't know enough to be able to comment on that to say why he stopped accepting, why Tesla stopped accepting Bitcoins as a, as a potential payment method. But there's been hypotheses to say that Tesla or Elon Musk might be developing his own digital currency to a certain degree. So, uh, you know, it's and it's a pure speculation. Obviously, there's no base of that at this point in time. Um, but we'll see. Maybe he uses Bitcoin as a bit of a treading water type of experiment and go, how would the crowd react, you know, in terms of the Twitters that he make and how would the crowd react if Tesla does accept Bitcoin as a digital currency payment method. And if that works, is it possible for me, Elon Musk, to develop a digital cryptocurrency or digital coin and a payment system that could be used for future acceptance as such? I mean, he's, he's obviously brilliant in terms of mind, right? So yeah. I'm not ruling that out as a potential opportunity, but who knows? 
he, he did come out and say something like, um, <laughs> oh, I've been working with the uh, the Dogecoin developers to see if we can use this currency uh, instead. And mm. <laughs> everyone sort of said, hang on a minute, there aren't any Dogecoin developers. They, they know this is a pretend coin. Uh, you know, who, who and who did you speak to again? <laughs> so, who knows, right? Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, just buy some corn and watch the uh, watch the the flashing lights. That's it. That's it. Hey, uh, um, okay. So that's I think you know without jazz in this conversation, obviously <laughs> we are we, we're missing we're missing one of our uh, one of our favorites in here. But um, let's circle back around a bit about property because I know that um, um, you know it was an interesting organic discussion that we had before we come on air, and I thought you know that was worthwhile for us to have a chat about that um, and share with our listeners in terms of our thinking as well. Um, so I have been asked by people, you know, what are the property investors who's got, say, for example, four, five, six properties at the moment, what are they doing now? Are they still buying or are they looking to, you know, or are they just basically maintaining their property portfolio? Okay. And if you have that type of property portfolio and that level of debt size, right? Assuming maybe 70, 80% LVR, what would you be doing now in the current environment? Would you be looking at reducing the debt? Would you be looking at continuing to invest? You know, what what are the what are those big property investors doing out there? Mm. Yeah, super, super good question, right? <laughs> <laughs> So here's a general thing about what I think big property investors do. Firstly, mm. I don't think they, I know this is a broader question than how do they buy, but let's start with what their buying habits are like. Yep. Generally speaking, big property investors don't time the market. They choose deals that they like. They find assets that they like, and then they go out and buy them. They also don't overly haggle, right? They, they, no. they, they know what they want. And if that's the, you know, then they go out and get it right. They, they, they do. There is a negotiation, but they don't. Um, but they're, they're more, uh, more fixated upon uh, what the asset itself will do for their financial circumstances. So they, they, they target assets and they don't overly haggle, which might surprise some people. Mm. And that's how they accumulate big portfolios. And in hindsight, they look, they look like geniuses. So that's kind of their buying habits, generally speaking. Of course, there are always exceptions. Um, what are they doing now? Look, I, I don't really know because um, I deal. I, I see buyers, not refinances, generally speaking. Um, my guess is the right thing to do now. Look, it depends on who you are. Like a, a someone with a big property portfolio, probably should sit back, allow their LVRs to go down, and chip away at some debt. Right, so that'd be working on equity. Yes. But if you didn't, if you owned one property, let's say, or no properties, I would be a buyer. I would be a buyer, um, be, because you 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 just get the market that you're given, and uh, real estate's super reliable in terms of wealth generation. So you know, you, while you don't know what's around the corner, you know that properties, generally speaking, what wealthy people do to to retain, park, build yes. their wealth. Correct. Um, but I, I would be generally speaking, focusing on uh, LVR, LVR maximization at the moment. Uh, so or, no, minimization, sorry. Debt yeah. buster, basically, isn't it? Yeah. Busting down that debt. So oh, it could lower yes. their financial stances. Yeah. What, so, yeah, like are you, are you going to start paying off debt in five years' time when the interest rates have gone up? So the question is, do you, do you use low interest rates to borrow more or hmm. to, to pay off debt? 
probably the answer is both or depends on your circumstances. Yeah. But, uh, for me, it's um, it's debt, debt, you know, paying off debt. I know you personally have quite a significant portfolio in that sense. And um, yeah, so, and of course, you don't represent the whole people, the whole property investors who's got six or plus more properties, right? Um, but yeah, look, you know, like in my in my circumstances, and 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 I think with what I'm seeing, and not, I'm not saying that I got a lot of clients who are at six or seven properties, that type of stuff. And you know, back to your initial uh, statement, again, it depends. It really depends. You know, like I had a few. Yes, I had a few clients who are still aggressively accumulating at the moment. Okay, now that's and that's because they still got that goal to say, I am looking to retire with X amount of money in X amount period of time. So whether the market's going up or down, I am continuing to work towards that goal of mine. Okay, so they don't really, I I find that they're not, I mean, yes, they they obviously want their property value to go up, but they're not going to be very specific about their times. And, and, you know, like, okay, well, the property's got to go up and, you know, every every John and Jack is buying now. So I'm going to buy now as well. They will also look at buying even during um, the not so booming times, if I could put it that way. So, so number one, it's because they got a goal and they're still working closely and they're still working towards that, okay, in their accumulation phase. Yes, so definitely they're still doing that. The assumption here is they've got the financial backings to be able to do that. So it all ties back to their finance, which is why I'm seeing, you know, a lot of people who's, got six or seven properties, if their income is not that strong, then unfortunately, no, you're not going to be able to refinance or take equity out or have that extra bit of borrowing capacity to squeeze in another property, even if you want to. That's the reality at the moment that we're seeing. But so, you know, so the number one assumption is you got to have enough income in the back end to be able to borrow because without a good income, there's no chance for you to continue to grow your portfolio base. So that's always my number one to say, you know, if you, don't look at people just go, oh, he's got six or seven properties. He must have just be doing something right. Yes, his income is good. He's doing something right, you know, um, in order to be able to support a massive property portfolio. So that's number one. Um, and number two, you know, it also depends on their personal circumstances. Like you said, John, um, if they already accumulated enough, six or seven, and um, they are in a position where they don't really need to acquire more, then now is the best time ever to try to actually reduce that debt. You know, you could get a fixed rate investment as low as starting with a two, right? And if you get that refinanced and if you put it on a fix, you'll find that most of the time the rent actually covers your mortgage plus all the expenses because the mortgage rate is so low and the repayment is so low. So that could be a good way of basically having the property paying itself off in the current environment. We don't know how long the low rate environment is going to be, though. That's the thing. So, you know, I'm also seeing on the other contracts yeah, where, where some of the some of the um, some of the clients who's kind of more into the mature age, they kind of go, "Yeah, we're done with our acquisition. How can we pay down debt as quickly as we can?" That goes back to what you were saying before, John. So that's certainly something that we are seeing as well. Um, but yeah, in essence, you know, it it really comes down to individual circumstances, what they're trying to achieve, uh, but the big portfolio people, um, like you said, you know, they, most of them, if they got a lot of money in the bank, they either think about, okay, do I purchase another property or do I look at some other asset classes? Because if they got that kind of experience, they don't limit themselves to 
property as the only asset classes, right? They will look at like, you know, precious metal. They'll look at potentially a bit in Bitcoin as well. If they've got that appetite, they've got that risk appetite or they put in a bit of shares because ultimately multiple streams of income is what everyone wants to be able to achieve out of it. And a property is only one of the streams for these people to that degree. So, yeah. So that's the that's my that's my two cents. But it comes back to an interesting point, right? Like, if like as you pointed out, if um the interest rates, like you know, we've been talking about this as well. Interest rates low at the moment. Everyone's happy, and government's printing money. But this is going to stop at some point. The music is going to stop. I think we all have to recognize that. You know, in ten years' time, chances are we're probably not going to see an interest rate with a two or a three in the front it's probably going to go up much higher, okay? So, you know, we what should people be paying down that debt now, given the fact that, um, uh, or, or even just to plan ahead on that if they've got five or six properties? So, you know, these are all the questions that I think is, is, is worth exploring as a sophisticated investor who's kind of at that level. But even if you are only at one or two properties at the moment, you know, and you got an interest-only loan, you know, five years later, how are you going to do it? What are you going to do? Are you going to be paying out the debt? That kind of stuff. So, yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting you talk about where, where will interest rates be in a couple of years and um, either, either interest rates will be higher or you'll pay $4 a litre for petrol that they'll <laughs> let the inflation run and they won't put the interest rates up. There are actually two, two options, but what... Well, either way, either way, that's going to lean on your cash flow, right? Yes. So, um, I'm a, I'm a little bit older than you. I I um, accumulated a portfolio largely based on equity right up until the end when it started to get more difficult because cash flow became more important. Mm. We were like, hey, this has never been a problem before, you know. Um, so cash flow is suddenly more important than it used to be, which I suppose is is sensible, but um, um, but but you can you can monetize an asset. Um, uh, there, there are always three stages. You know, we talked about it. It depends, and that's quite right. Um, there are three three phases for accumulating real estate, and you should always start as, as young as you can. That that's probably the only advice I'd give is start young. Yeah. Um, but you've got the accumulation phase, you've got the asset appreciation phase, and then you've got the debt repayment phase, right? So you buy all the assets you want, and then you focus on your net worth, which is. Uh, allowing the, the properties to appreciate, perhaps that's through renovation or you pay off the debt. Mm -hmm. But you kind of got to do all of the things at once. And the way I, the way I look at it, is that if you, for the first two years of P and I principal repayments, you're only paying off the stamp duty, right? Let's say stamp duty is forty grand. Yep. That's going to take you a couple of years to pay off. So you haven't even started paying off the property until the third or fourth year. And this is why I feel like. You, you know, you're never going to own it, properly own it, until you have some part of your income going towards retiring some debt. Um, and what you should probably do is have, if you've got, let's say, four properties or three properties, you don't need to pay them all off, but you should be focusing on paying off one of them or something like that and then maybe rotating it. But, you you know, even for investment properties, even though the, your tax advisor might say you don't need to worry about paying off the debt, I still think if you want to own it and, and focus on your net worth, uh, eventually, or probably sooner than later, I'd be targeting some debt repayment. But um, yeah, always have, I guess always have buffers as well. 
So you go through those phases we talked about, but um, at, at, at every one of those phases, you're going to need to, to have, have your buffers and focus on cash flow. Totally. Here's an interesting question for you, John. Um, I know beforehand, uh, maybe around 2014, 2015, um, interest-only loans are basically the most popular product, mm. right? Even for owner occupiers in that sense. Um, and it made it so easy to hold interest-only loans, I mean, even up to 2015, that people just had the perception to go, do you know what? If I can ride out a 10 or 20-year cycle on interest-only, then I don't need to pay it down because inflation is going to do the hard task for me, right? So can people still have that type of mentality today to go, I don't need to pay it down. I am just going to sit on interest only as much as I can hold it out because look, you know, in say, because of inflation that's going to be kicking in and everything's going up at the moment. In five to 10 years time, the asset value will be much larger and then my debt. So I guess the, the question is, you know, we all know that the bottle of Coke, you know, could be could well be one dollar a can back when I was high school. <laughs> now they're definitely not worth that, right? So money keeps losing its value. So if you had a two hundred thousand dollar loan twenty years ago, that might seem like a huge debt you take on. But if you manage to keep that two hundred thousand dollar loan on interest only without paying it down to today. That'd be pretty insignificant today. If you hold it for another 20 years, you know, your kids might be able to pay it off of their pocket money at some point. Would you still be advocating that kind of strategy today? Or would you be kind of go, do you know what? You probably should be thinking about reducing some of that debt yourself. Yeah. Look, I'm, I'm not advocating paying it off early. I'm just saying uh, uh, chipping away a little yeah. bit. Okay. And what it does is it gives you some breathing space should you run into bad times in the future because... Good. Um, not not paying it off might not even be an option for you mm. because it's really up to the bank uh, in that respect. Um, but I know what you're saying. Look, I, I know people where that's happened. They bought in sort of the uh, early noughties, but I don't know anyone who's been able to sort of make their property debt evaporate that's purchased in the last 10 years, but property hasn't really done that much in the last five years. So, no. um, you know, may, and maybe maybe that correction's happening now. When I say correction, I mean properties are correcting up to where they need to be uh, <laughs> <laughs> according to historical values. But um, yes, what, what, so what you've described as, as uh, inflation eroding the value of the, the debt and then magnifying the value of the asset is going to happen anyway. Mm. Um, paying off the debt, uh, I, I think, is... Um, what you should should be part of your strategy, but what's interesting is historically, um, inflation has always inflated the value of the property, but it also inflated the value of the rents. So you could uh, lock in your debt uh, that you for a property you bought in 1978, let's say, or <laughs> something like that, and then not only is your uh, the asset value going up, but the rents would go up as well. And in that instance. For the for the I think essentially the baby boomers who had this strategy, you know, mm. they would um, they would be able to use the rent to pay off the debt, except for the the, the high interest rates in the eighties. But the rents were going up too. We're in a situation where the asset values are going up, but the rents are going down, which means you can't rely on the asset to wash its own face, even if it's going up in value. You still you still need to pay. I still think you need to pay some debt off. Otherwise, you, you're relying on capital appreciation plus rent, uh, rent inflation. 
when you say rents going down, um, but I, I think according to the statistics around the, you know, house, house rents are actually going up because of the mm. demand and lifestyle that people want around the area, right? Around the country. It's the apartment rent that's for Sydney and Melbourne that's actually going down, right? So in that sense, is it correct to say that the rent is actually going up at the moment along with capital appreciation at the same time, like what we're seeing before? Um, well, if in, in Sydney, most investors invest in apartments. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they will, be, they will be taking a hit, that's for sure. But if you say, for example, if you've got a house in Adelaide or Melbourne, outskirt, that, you know, then, yeah, okay. So that, so that rule is being, yeah, so that rental appreciation and capital growth appreciation is also happening at the same time. Yeah, so your, your rental income might be flat or slightly increasing, You'd be, but you know, your grocery bill, your grocery bill's probably gone up by thirty percent, as well. So it's all these hidden taxes, um, yeah. And these are the hidden costs of leaving interest rates so low that we will see increases in other parts of our um, uh, lives. But you know, as they say, you're either you're either earning inflation or you're paying inflation. Um, so, you know, real estate owners are generally speaking been the beneficiaries of inflation. I think that mm. would continue to be the case, uh, which means that. People who don't own assets and own salaries are, are paying are paying those um, that increase in wealth for the property owners. Yeah, yeah, very true. All right, now that's a good uh, discussion. Anything else you want to add, John? Oh, I mean, everyone's individual circumstances are different, <clears throat> so paying off debt might not be right for you, but it yeah. should definitely be part of your consideration. So even if you're young, it's not crazy to pay off debt um, because paying off debt's a, a it's a marathon. It really is a marathon. And I've always said that paying off debt will give you flexibility down the line. It'll just, it'll just um, take the pressure off the asset to mm. always have to appreciate because it won't always appreciate. That's very, very true. All right. Um, so I think that's uh, pretty much it for today, I reckon. Um, do you want to cover anything else, John? Well, that's happy with it. No, I, th- I, think we're, I think we're good. I think this has been a great chat as always. Yeah, awesome. All right. Okay, again, um, this is not financial investment advice. Please seek your uh, specific professionals uh, if you're looking to invest. And uh, thank you again for joining us. Uh, We will see you guys again in next week's Fighter Wrap. John and David.